0: Hello my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo, and I'm Bo, and today I want to say thank you for tuning in to our program, and thank you for wanting to know the truth, and thank you for wanting to know our history. Because for decades, our history and our accomplishments have been set aside hidden in the darkness of white America's archives and hidden from us. And man, that is ignorant. And either the United States will destroy ignorance or ignorance will destroy the United States. And W.E.B. Bois said that, and that is the truth. So sit back and relax and give me a few minutes of your time And I'm going to tell you something about a group called the Blackbirds, and not the musical Blackbirds, but the flying Blackbirds. And the reason that you have not heard of them is because they were too great a Black accomplishment. You know, they called them race pilots, but they didn't have a damn thing to do with breaking speed barriers. More than two decades after Wright Brothers made history, only one African-American, Bessie Coleman, possessed an international pilot's license. And she had to go to France to get it. Because you have to remember, this was the Jim Crow era. And blacks had to keep their heads low, sit in the back of the bus and in the rear cars of the trains. And hell, airlines wouldn't even allow black people as passengers. And only a handful of flight schools were willing to accept black students, no matter how much money you had. But a dude by the name of William Powell sought to expose more African Americans to the art of flying. And in the process, he inspired blacks to take a greater role in aviation. And along the way, he formed history's first all-black aerobatic team. Now, this dude grew up in a middle-class black neighborhood in Chicago, and he studied engineering at the University of Illinois. Before he graduated, however, the United States entered World War I, and he joined the Army. He fought as well as any other soldier, but he got hurt during a gas attack on the war's last day. Now, with his health all jacked up, Powell returned to Chicago and went back to college, eventually receiving his engineering degree. Now, some say he was a natural-born entrepreneur, because in the post-war, Powell bought as many as five gas stations and an auto parts store in the city's black south side. He craved the idea of wanting to fly, just to go up once, that's all he wanted. And Powell got his chance in Paris in 1927, when a pilot took him on an aerial tour of the City of Lights, even circling the Eiffel Tower. Right then and there, Powell was bitten. He decided he wanted to become a pilot. But the U.S. was doing everything that it can do to keep blacks out of the cockpit. And Powell wrote that he actually believed that with the proper leadership, that black folks could be systematically trained to the use of airplanes in such an extent that a great airplane industry might spring up. Not only would blacks avoid the indignation of sitting in the back of the airliner They could pour thousands of dollars back in the black community by buying black built airplanes, forming black run airlines and hiring black pilots to fly them and black mechanics to fix them. And hell, he thought if they weren't permitted to land at all white run airports, black could build and staff their own airports. In Powell's mind separate could amount to equal. And he scoured the United States in search of a flying school that would accept him. Now, he had a standing invitation from the Paris School of Aviation, but he wanted to learn in America because it was the nation he had almost given his life for and certainly wrecked his health for. So first he tried in Chicago, but he was turned down because he was told that the white students would walk out if a black man walked in. Then he went and tried to enlist in the Army Air Corps. The training headquarters was in Rocktold, Illinois, and that was just six miles from Urbana, where Powell had attended the University of Illinois. There, an ignorant lieutenant explained that all Air Corps enlistees were required to have two years of college. And Powell replied that he had graduated from the university just up the road. Then the lieutenant tried to tell him that all applicants had to have engineering degrees. Well, in fact, Powell had majored in electrical engineering. Then the recruiter decided to cut out the bullshit and told him that even though he was a veteran, the War Department wouldn't accept colored men in the Air Corps. He said he personally didn't agree with the policy because he was reared by a colored mammy and would just as soon instruct colored students as whites. But that's just the way it is. And he offered to instruct Powell in his spare time. But Powell refused. He wanted to go full-time. Powell wrote to flight schools all across the nation. Until he finally found a colored blind school in Los Angeles that would accept him. It was more than 100 students, including three from Japan, two from the Philippines, one from China, and one from Mexico. And the cost was $1,000. And that was three times the average working man's annual salary at that time. But Powell had the cash and he moved his family to LA and started flying. Now, after Powell got his paper, Powell founded the first all-black aviation organization in 1929. It was called the Bessie Coleman Aero Club. Coleman had died three years earlier in April of 1926 after being thrown from her plane doing preparations for an air show in Jacksonville, Florida. And the organization was open to anyone regardless of their race. And it also had a lot of women involved in it, but it only had a few white members. Few had cash, but that was no matter. Powell started holding free evening classes in aeronautics at a local high school and also started networking. He made friends with black entertainers, including Cab Calloway, Lena Horne and Bill Bojangles Robinson. That were in the area to make race movies meant solely for black audiences. And he also struck up a friendship with Joe Lewis. He explained his mission to his new friends and sought their support, and they gave it, both in donations and public appearances. Oh boy it was on a mission. Also in 1929, Powell attended the National Air Races in Los Angeles. But he wasn't sitting in the stands, he was manning the emergency truck. And it was right then and there that he decided to put on his own event, an all-black air show. And he decided that Labor Day 1931 would be the day. All he needed was a few black pilots to perform. Beside himself, Powell knew of Irvin Wells a tall man with a pilot certificate earned through the Bessie Coleman Aerial Club. Will Akins, of whom not much was known, filled out the trio, dubbed by Powell the Negro Formation Flying Group. Two other blacks, Maxwell Love and Lottie Theodore, performed parachute jumps. But the show's main feature was the Goodyear Blimp volunteer, dropping a rose wreath in honor of Bessie Coleman. Nearly 15,000 spectators showed up. At least that's what Powell told the black newspapers. White papers wouldn't have devoted any space to such an event. And fortunately, there were no accidents. And that proved to the public that blacks could indeed handle an airplane. After that success, Powell scheduled a second show called the Colored Air Circus, which would take place December 6, 1931, at L.A.'s Eastside Airport. And this time, he decided to put together the largest group of black pilots in the air at one time, at least five pilots. He even came up with a name for them, the Five Blackbirds. Now, to supplement the trio, Powell approached James Herman Banning And he was the first black pilot to obtain a license from the U.S. Department of Commerce. Banning was the nation's second black pilot after Coleman. And he had came out of Los Angeles to train the trio before the first show. But old boy refused to fly unless he got paid. And he also wanted to be the featured pilot. But Powell wasn't about to pay him, especially since Banning's license had expired before he arrived in L.A. And Powell's organization had helped him renew his certificate and given him 300 hours of free flying time. Powell went on to recruit William Johnson, another black pilot of whom, like just about everyone who flew with the Blackbirds, not much was known about. Powell also approached flying student Marie Coker to join his group. And once she got her license through the Bessie Coleman School, Powell asked her to become a blackbird. Finally, Powell hired Hubert Julian. Now, he called himself the Black Eagle of Harlem. And he boasted of having 1,000 hours in the air. And as it turned out, boasting was what this dude did best. But before Powell came to that conclusion, he had made Julian the show's feature attraction. Nakoka drove Julian from New York to California, stopping in Chicago long enough for the black eagle to fly a minister and his daughter around the city. And once the two flyers reached LA, Powell arranged for the mayor to welcome Julian on the steps of City Hall as the nation's greatest Negro flyer. Of course, naming Julian as the feature pilot didn't sit well with Banning, who even if he wasn't getting paid, had still hope for feature billing. Now with the Blackbirds lined up, Powell had to find a few airplanes for them to fly, and he found some. And now they weren't all the same aircraft, and they weren't even all painted black. But you know what? They flew. According to Powell, some 40,000 people turned out to see the world's first all-black aerobatic team perform at the first all-black circus. And for the opening act, Julian took off as a passenger, to perform a stunt billed as a triple parachute jump. In theory, this meant that after the first canopy opened, he would cut it away, free fall for a bit, open the second canopy, which he'd also cut away, then he'd free fall some more before opening the third canopy and landing. And as it happened, Julian apparently lost his nerve and skipped both cutaways and simply parachuted from the plane. After that fiasco, however, the blackbirds took to the air and saved the day, according to Powell. Not five, but seven black pilots took off, one by one. They flew to a nearby field and landed, all except for Julian, who later claimed he got lost. After waiting for him, the six gave up and took off once again, flying in a V back to the field, then buzzing the crowd in a train, or follow the leader as Coker described it. She recalled, Powell would lead, the first one would fall off, then the second one, then the third one, and we would make a line and come on back around and make another string and come off. That's all we did, and that was good enough. After each pilot landed to an enthusiastic applause, Maxwell Love and Marie Daughtry performed parachute jumps. The show received glowing reviews in the press, the black press that is, since once again the white press ignored it. My friends, the story of William Powell and his air show and his pilots go on and on. And I urge you to read up about it. Look them up. Because if I tell you the exploit of some of these pilots, this show would go on and on for hours. I'll just say the Black Eagle of Harlem died in 1967. He was followed by Irvin Wells in 1974, Thomas Allen in 1989, and Marie Coker in 1990. Dogged by complications related to the poison gas he had inhaled in World War I, William Powell died much earlier, in 1942, at the Veterans Hospital in Sharon, Wyoming, with his wife and two children by his side. In 1934, he had written a book about his experiences, Black Wings. Although the Fly blackbirds only performed one show, they demonstrated their skill and talent to thousands of spectators. To blacks, they proved that their dreams of flying could be fulfilled. To any whites who saw them, they showed that black men and women could be just as competent in the cockpit as white pilots. In the short haul, Powell and his blackbirds Open the American skies to the race-busting pilots who followed. That, my friends, is history. That's our history. That's our hidden history. But it is no longer in the darkness. And to William Powell, I say, rest in peace, my brother, because your story is not hidden. Your story is alive and well in this program's library with the hopes that whoever listens to it will pass the story on and therefore you being still alive my friends I know you have heard of the Tuskegee Airmen but this is a story that you have to get more into and hopefully someday a movie will be made about William Powell and the Blackbirds as well but we all know what time it is now but before i leave you and leave this great story i have a message for you when you seek the truth your ancestors will help you to find it and set your soul free you must then become a living mirror so that those who are also seeking can see their reflection in you and know that the truth also lives within their souls. Have a great day, my friends. And until next time, it has been my honor.